Well, I invite you to turn over in your Bible back to the book of Luke. We're going to pick up uh, in Luke chapter 4 now. This week and next week, we're going to be looking at, uh, at Luke 3 and 4, trying to put the whole thing together and specifically focus in on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Uh, we're, we're in our series, Knowing Jesus, and one of the things that Luke seems to really emphasize is, do you see the Holy Spirit at work in his life? Uh, and so maybe, maybe you noticed that in our scripture reading earlier, baptized with the Spirit. Uh, and, and now we pick up with chapter 4, uh, the first uh, the first 13 verses, and again, we'll see, we'll see the, the work of, of the Spirit. Uh, let's read 1 to 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and, was, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. Well, let's, let's pray together. Lord, we turn to your word and we look to you to bless uh, this reading uh, and this proclamation of your word. Lord, help us all to receive it with reverence and faith and joy and lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So kids, I have a question for you. How many? How many of you yesterday saw some snowflakes? Did you see some? How many of you were hoping that there would be a lot, a lot more? Were you hoping for a lot of snow? Yeah. Maybe even some adults. If you, I saw a few adult hands. Uh, well, kids, can I tell you a story? When I was a kid, I remember one snowstorm we had, and I, I think it was a true blizzard. There was so much snow in our yard and around the neighborhood. I remember there was snow, so much snow, it was up to my waist at the time. And there were certain spots uh, around, around our house where I couldn't even walk through it. It was so high, I would, I would kind of get stuck. Uh, so what do you do if you're walking through snow and it's so deep uh, that you can't walk forward? 
what do you think you would do? Well, here, here I'll tell you. I'll tell you one way way you could solve the problem uh, is you find someone else, someone who's bigger than you, someone who's stronger than you, and you have them walk in front of you. So that when they walk in front of you, because they're bigger and stronger, they can walk through the snow. But not only can they walk through the snow, they can pound the snow down uh, with their feet. And you can then walk behind them by walking in their footprints. And doing that, you get to do what you could never do by yourself. Find someone bigger or stronger who can do what you can't do and then walk in their footprints. That's a good explanation of the Christian life. Uh, in the Christian life, uh, right, you know, think of following God, growing spiritually, uh, walking in God's ways, serving him. Uh, that, if we're honest with ourselves, that is something that we cannot do by ourselves. Uh, we're, we're, we are, we're too little spiritually. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not strong enough. Sin still has too much of a grip on our lives. We're too frail. But what the Gospels give us is a picture of Jesus as one who is bigger and stronger. Uh, bigger and stronger so that he makes a way for us. He makes a path. Uh, not just a path in the sense of follow his example. That's part of it. Uh, but makes a path in the sense of he, he, he blazes the trail for us. He, he puts the footprints in the snow he, he, he makes the, the way, does the things that we could never do, uh, but having done it, and having done it perfectly, now we're able to go along behind him. Uh, and, and one of the things that the Gospels give us, uh, especially here Luke 3 and 4, uh, is Jesus doing this big thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of like how we walk, but he's doing it in a way that's, well, really un, unrepeatable. Uh, he's doing it in a way that's completely new, and he's doing it for us. He's essentially uh, walking through the snow that we couldn't and tamping it down so that we are now able, uh, strengthened by him, to walk in his footprints. And what we want to do is look at that and notice the role of the Holy Spirit in it all. Notice the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because all the Gospels, but Luke especially, really highlights the role of the Spirit from the beginning of Jesus' earthly life all the way to the end. Uh, and we want to notice it. Uh, and the first thing we're going we're gonna to ask ourselves is, well, why did Jesus even need the Spirit? Right? The Holy Spirit here, if you looked at the outline, we're calling it the, uh, the equipping companion of Jesus. Right? A companion, the Holy Spirit's a person, uh, personal, uh, uh, but, but giving strength and power why does Jesus need the equipping power of the Holy Spirit? Why? Right? I mean, isn't, isn't Jesus God? Uh, well, yes, he is. But he's also fully human. Fully human, just like us, yet, yet without sin. Uh, and, and in fact, Luke actually here seems to be emphasizing his humanity. Uh, because what uh, maybe you noticed from our, our scripture reading uh, what was smack dab between the two passages that we read, uh, but the genealogy of Jesus, that Jesus is the son of the son of the son of the son of all the way back to Adam. Uh, right? You don't get any more human than that, being the son of the son of the son. Uh, right? that's, that's, that's human. 
So Luke is having us think Jesus, his humanity. Uh, and, and Jesus, not as any human, uh, but Jesus specifically as a human connected to Adam. He's, he's being presented as, as the new Adam, as the representative of, of all of humanity. Uh, Luke's showing us that Jesus does what Adam fails to do, what Israel fails to do, what, what we fail to do. Um, we, in our humanity, uh, we sin. We rebel against God. We, 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 we do not resist temptation. And along comes Jesus in his humanity, and he does it perfectly. Uh, and to have that happen, that, that perfected humanity, uh, it's humanity empowered by the Spirit. Because humans were never meant uh, to do it by ourselves. Now, sometimes we think that if we, were, if we really had it all together, that meant we wouldn't need any help, right? Uh, get needing help, we tend to think, well, that, that means weakness, or that means I'm, I'm not as good as I should be. But humanity was never meant to be able to do it by ourselves. Think about it. That's actually how Adam got himself into trouble. Uh, he thought he didn't need God, that instead he would be God, right? He wanted to live apart from God. And God's and reliance on God. That's what got him into trouble. That's what led him into sin. That was the whole core of the temptation. Because uh, humanity was always meant to be lived in fellowship with God, and that fellowship giving uh, giving strength and power. Well, fellowship with God, God's strength and power, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. Uh, that's his specialty. Uh, the empowering fellowship of the Spirit. So if Jesus is going to come along and be uh, not just human, but, but perfected humanity, ideal humanity. He, he's going to be humanity filled with the Spirit, with the companion of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. And that's exactly what Luke shows us. And what we'll see is he does it all for us, like the big, the big guy walking in front of us in the snow. So let's, let's, see if we can, let's see if we can take a look. We'll spend two weeks looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Uh, this, is, this is just part one. <clears throat> but the first thing uh, we notice, <clears throat> point two actually in your outline, uh, is, is Jesus is equipped, the Holy Spirit equips Jesus for new life. Uh, it's recognizing that before we get to Luke 3 and 4, the Holy Spirit's already been at work uh, in Luke. Uh, and you know this passage well. Uh, right? It's the angel Gabriel coming to Mary, telling Mary, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a son. And Mary saying, How's that gonna happen? How's that gonna happen? I'm a uh, I'm I'm a virgin. Uh, you, you put put pause there for a second. Uh, think about Mary, woman unable to have children, right, in, in the normal sense. That puts her as, uh, as the last in a very long line of Old Covenant women uh, who are unable to have children, apart from God's powerful, miraculous work, right? There's a whole line of them, isn't there? And there's the Sarahs and the Hannahs and the Rachels, and, and God has this thing. This is what kind of thing he does. He takes those who are unable to have children, and he does this miraculous work. Well, here's uh, Mary. She's the last in line of the Old Covenant believers, uh, Unable to have children. Actually, she takes it. It's a whole new level because she's because uh, she's not just infertile, barren. Uh, she's a virgin. But the angel says, "Oh, you will. How? How? 
Well, the angel explains. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Son of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to bring this life, uh, that's going to cause this conception. Uh, This full humanity is going to come uh, through Mary, empowered by uh, the Holy Spirit. Even think of the language that Luke uses here. Uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite powerful. See if this kind of sounds a little bit familiar. Okay, the power, of the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe we need to go back a little bit. Uh, can you remember when God created the world? Uh, there's the mention of the Holy Spirit at work in creation. So, so Genesis 1 uh, verse 1, right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you get the Holy Spirit showing up in verse 2. Showing up because, well, uh, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, uh, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here you have uh, this world. It, it's not finished yet. Uh, there's no life yet. It's dark. It's lifeless. And along comes the Spirit. And the Spirit hovers over the waters and brings life where there was darkness. Life where there was no life. And now, Luke tells us that that same Holy Spirit shows up, and the angel says that same Spirit is going to overshadow, come upon uh, the dark, lifeless womb of Mary, and bring forth life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what happens with Jesus, uh, so that uh, as the, the eternal Son adds this full humanity, that humanity is, is full humanity, but, but without sin, holy, uh, the Son of God. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes uh, where there is lifelessness and brings life, and he does it with Jesus. And then we can go on in our, in our passage, or actually get to Luke uh, three and four, and realize that the Holy Spirit equips for temptation. Uh, and he does it first and foremost in the life of Jesus. Uh, so as you come to this temptation uh, narrative, uh, it's, in a, it's in a context, right, which is why, why we read things from Luke 3, Jesus baptized by, by John, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Uh, right, the, in the form of a dove, he's baptized by the Holy Spirit, he receives the, uh, the fullness of the Spirit there uh, by John. And what's the very next thing that we're told that he does? Uh, but go to the wilderness, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. Right? In terms of action, right? you, you go right from uh, where Ross left off in his reading. Uh, verse three, uh, Chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. Holy Spirit descends. You're my beloved Son. The very next action is chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Spirit, uh, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In fact, every gospel that mentions the baptism of Jesus, this is exactly the order. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus is baptized. very next thing, Holy Spirit leads him uh, into the wilderness. Jesus gets the Spirit. The Spirit sends him into the wilderness. Actually, Mark even puts it strongly. Uh, It says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The Spirit said, this is where you're going. Uh, This is next. Uh, Driving him, sending him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, 
tempted by the devil. Uh, and again, you put it in context of Luke. Um, Jesus, full of the Spirit, then going tempted by the devil. Well, you, you, maybe you could glance at the, what, the, what's between uh, the, the two passages we read. It's that genealogy. Uh, that Luke just kind of sticks right in the middle of the action. Jesus gets the Spirit. And then Luke still wants you to remember, ah, you know Jesus, uh, he goes all the way back in terms of his lineage to Adam. Adam, son of God. Oh yeah, Adam, son of God, who was tempted by the devil. Now you get Jesus, son of God, descendant of Adam, new Adam. Guess where he's going to go? First and foremost, Holy Spirit into the wilderness, tempted by the devil. You're getting, uh, you're getting set up here that Jesus is going to do what Adam failed to do. Uh, in fact, even the details of the temptations are, are, are very, very similar, uh, right? Both Jesus and Adam uh, are tempted to doubt the word of God, are tempted to doubt the goodness and the love of God. Only Jesus passes the test, uh, right? No wonder Jesus is the beloved son, right? Because he does what Adam fails. The father is well-pleased. Uh, the Father is well pleased. Uh, but what we're thinking about is, how does the Holy Spirit fit into this? Uh, and Luke really wants us to see that, that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, verse 1, full of the Spirit. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't check the Holy Spirit at the, at the wilderness door. He goes into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And so Luke wants us to see that Jesus conquers this temptation through the empowering companionship of the Spirit. Because this is ideal humanity. And this is how our humanity was meant to be lived, but we fail. Meant to be lived in reliance upon God, through the fellowship with God, able uh, to follow God. And Jesus does it, yeah, because he's led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And then you look at the details uh, of, the, of the temptation, and you see, well, you see the Holy Spirit's footprints all over it. Uh, let's just mention, mention two things. As we look at the, the temptation narrative, and we look for uh, the, the whole idea of sonship uh, and the idea of the Word of God, and realize, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit's foot, uh, fingerprints. Uh, so one of the key elements of the devil's temptation is the whole idea of the sonship of Jesus. Right? You heard that language repeated by the devil. If you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, and remember, Jesus has just been told by his Father, voice from heaven, you're my beloved Son. And now here he is, very next thing in the wilderness. If you're the Son, if you're the Son, uh, and you look at the details. Uh, if you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. In other words, right, if you're the beloved Son, why... Why are you suffering here in this wilderness? No food? Just, just make some bread. Right? If you have the beloved son, come on, do it. The second temptation. Right? Jesus is shown all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, and, and Satan says, worship me, I'll give it all to you. Now, all the kingdoms of the world, all the nations and the glory, uh, that was exactly what the Father had promised to his son. Now, here's, here's Psalm 2. Uh, the Lord said to me, you are my son. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. Right? The, the father saying uh, to, to the son, you're my son. Uh, ask me, I'll, I'll give the nations to you. 
God, the, the Father, is going to give the Son the glory of the nation. He's going to give Jesus uh, this inheritance. Only we know he's going to give it to him by way through the cross. Coming to earth. Suffering. The, 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 the humility of, of being found in the form of a man. Uh, all the way to the cross. Right, so Jesus gets the nations as his inheritance, but it's by way of suffering, by way of the wilderness, by way of the cross. But along comes Satan. If you are the son, why, why do it through suffering? I'll give it to you now. I'll give it to you now. Without the suffering. Come on. Final temptation. Uh, takes, takes him up to the temple uh, and says, if you're the son... Throw yourself down, right? God promises he'll send the angels. It'll be this big, spectacular, glorious display of how, how great you are, and everyone will see it, right? If you're the sun, don't stay here in the wilderness and the solitude and the suffering, and right? Go for the glory. Go for the glory. So a key part of the devil's scheme uh, is to try to get Jesus to doubt uh, the goodness and the love of his father, right? If you're the beloved son, you, you, you shouldn't be here in this suffering. Just, just get rid of it. Just go for it. Uh, can, you, can you think of how powerful a temptation that is? Uh, think, about, think about yourself. Think about a, a time of real difficulty, hardship that, that you have walked through. Maybe, you're, maybe it's right now. Uh, there's something really difficult. It feels like you're in the wilderness. It feels like just hardship after hardship. Uh, isn't it in those moments that it's so easy to begin to doubt God's love for you? Right? God, I know you, I know you said you loved me, uh, but this kind of doesn't really look like it. Uh, maybe you even have that thought, yeah, I know you say that I'm your child, but I'm not sure I would treat my child like this. You see, it's the same temptation, uh, right? If you're really the son, it's powerful. Uh, but Jesus passes the test. Uh, he resists the temptation. Uh, and he does it, Luke tells us, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And then we start to remember, oh, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit specializes in reminding his people that they are children of God. Uh, how, about, how about Romans 8? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is, what, this is what the Spirit specializes in doing. Coming alongside God's people in the midst of suffering uh, and reminding them, bearing witness within them that they are indeed children. It might not look like it, uh, the, the Spirit testifies, but it's true. You are a child of God. That's what the Spirit does. And before the Spirit ever does that with our humanity, he did it with Jesus' humanity. Uh, as, as the Spirit was right there alongside of Christ, and in the very moment when the, the devil is attacking, you don't look like the beloved son. Uh, uh, doubt that. Get rid of that. The Spirit comes along and gives him the, the, the empowered strength in his humanity to resist uh, the temptation. No, you are the Son. Exactly what the Father said. You are the beloved Son. See that the Holy Spirit's fingerprints are all over, are all over this. 
and also in how uh, the word of God is used uh, in the temptation narrative. So how does, how does Jesus respond to every accusation, every lie of the devil? He quotes scripture. He quotes scripture, right? The devil tries to distort the truth, twist uh, the truth, uh, and Jesus comes back every time with the truth. He comes back with the word of God. He comes back with, with the scripture. Uh, so what's the connection between scripture and the Holy Spirit? Right? Jesus goes in, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit. Well, what's the connection between scripture and the Holy Spirit? Oh, that's right. Scripture is the sword of the Spirit. Right? So here is the Spirit. Uh, here is Jesus, full of the Spirit, uh, and right at the time when, when the devil is tempting him, doubt the word, doubt God, uh, the Spirit hands him the sword, the sword of the Spirit. Uh, the Scripture empowers him to use the word of God uh, to resist temptation. That's what the Spirit does. Uh, and, and that's what he does uh, in Jesus, the Spirit of God working through the word uh, to it, to, as the constant companion of Jesus to resist temptation. And all of this is for us. Right? Here's, here's where we kind of circle back. Right? Jesus does this, humanity perfected. Uh, but he does it for us because he's the second Adam. Uh, remember how, how John sets this whole thing up. Um, John says, uh, yeah, I, I'm not the Christ, but he's coming. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. But before Jesus baptizes you with the Spirit, he receives the Spirit, and he lives the Christian life, and he does it perfectly. He does it perfectly. Faces uh, faces temptation, uh, faces difficulty, full of the Spirit. Uh, he takes on, he succeeds. It's essentially uh, like, like our picture of being stuck in the snow. right? That, that's, that's us in ourselves. We're in the midst of a blizzard, and with snow up to our waist, and we're, we're not going to be able to move. Right? Not just because we're small of stature, but because we're big of sin. Right? In, our, in our sin, we're stuck. Uh, in our sin, we're not going to be able to move forward. Uh, by, by nature and also by practice, uh, we're, we're children of Adam, right? We actually walk in his footsteps, right? Doubting God's word, rebelling against God, wanting to be God ourselves, right? We're, we're by nature uh, children and followers of, of Adam. Uh, but uh, So we're spiritually, we're, we're stuck in the blizzard, and, and we're going to be stuck there uh, unto death unless there's some rescue. Well, here's God's rescue. Uh, he sends his son. While we were still sinners, he sends his son. His son as the second Adam, as the one to represent us and the one to make the way for us. And, and you look here in Luke and, oh, he's here. And he's doing it. Uh, he's, he's equipped by the Holy Spirit uh, in order to be that one uh, who, who does humanity and does it perfectly. So that, having, uh, having lived a perfect life, having died and risen, he can give you the Spirit. So you can, you can walk in, in the footsteps of Christ. Because now, now he's made the way and you have the same Spirit. And in fact, you can go back to that list uh, that we said, here's the life of Jesus, uh, empowered by the Spirit, and say, 
Oh, look, because Jesus, the Spirit did that in Jesus first, now the Spirit's doing that in me. We go back to the list. We said the Spirit is, is the Spirit that brings life out of death. Well, that's the story of every believer. Uh, that, that, the, that the Spirit gives new birth. This Spirit comes, just as the Spirit came in, in, over the darkness of creation and brought forth life out of the darkness, just as the Spirit came uh, into the darkness of Mary's womb and brought life, so the Spirit, now uh, sent by Jesus, comes into the darkness of our lives and brings life out of death. He gives us uh, a new birth. He gives us uh, a birth of the Spirit, Jesus says in John 3. He does that for us because he did it for Jesus first. Uh, now, uh, we, we face temptation, but we have the Spirit given by Jesus. And just as the Spirit uh, strengthened Jesus to face temptation, now that Spirit's on us. Uh, and so what is the Spirit going to do as you go out into the wilderness of the world? Well, you know he's going to do at, at least two things. Uh, one, he's going to remind you that you're a child of God. That's what the Spirit does, right? Romans 8. The Spirit's going to bear witness uh, in your heart that you are a child of God. You might be tempted to look around and say, this doesn't look like the life of a child of God. Uh, but the Spirit's going to be right there, as he was for Christ, uh, to remind you, oh yes, you are. You are a child of God. The Spirit's also going to give you the sword of the Spirit. Right? So when the lies come and you're tempted to believe them, uh, the Spirit's going to be right there using the Word of God, using the Scripture, using the sword of the Spirit. No, here's what's true. Here's what's true. And it's all because Jesus did it first. Right? He, he made that path. Uh, he blazed that trail. And now you're able to go along behind him. You see what kind of confidence that can give you? What kind of strength? Uh, that can give you? Because in those moments when you feel, you feel just weak, you know, as a Christian, we often do. I can't do this. Uh, you, you can go to passages like, like Luke 3 and Luke 4, and you can say to yourself, well, if it was true for Jesus, well, that spirit's on me. I guess it's true for me, right? I, I don't feel very spiritually alive this morning, you might say to yourself, tomorrow morning. I don't feel very spiritually alive. I feel very dark. But if you're a child of God, you have this spirit of life in you. Uh, you might not feel like it, but you can look at Jesus. Oh, look at Jesus. Life out of the darkness. He, he, did, it, he did it there. Well, that's the spirit in me. I guess, I guess I can be more confident than I feel uh, because that's the spirit I have. You can face a temptation and you feel it's too big, too strong for you. Well, you can go to Luke 4, and you can look, the Holy Spirit strengthening Jesus. I have that spirit now, God promises. So though I feel weak, uh, maybe I'm actually can be more confident than I feel uh, because I have this, this spirit of Jesus uh, on me. This is why uh, when Hebrews talks about the Christian life, uh, Hebrews 12 says, you're running the race, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. This is why. Because he's the, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the, he's the trailblazer. Uh, and now uh, you're able, having that same spirit, to follow after him. And so what do you do? Hebrews says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what you do. we do in the word here. And oh, and look, the, the sacrament's going to show us Jesus too. Uh, not a coincidence at all. Uh, let's, let's pray to him.
Father, we do confess that we, we are weak, but we're thankful for the Savior. Uh, and we're thankful for, uh, for the empowering fellowship of the Spirit that you promise we, we have as children of God. And we pray that you would do that good work, uh, even in us, to show us uh, and remind us who we are in the Lord Jesus, to strengthen us with, with your truth, even, even today, even this week, uh, even as we strive to keep our eyes fixed uh, on the Lord Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Amen.